Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi Mark, I've got some really great questions for you today from our online members. The first one is from Beck. And Beck is wanting to know, do you treat all types of anxiety the same? So no matter the cause, do you just keep emptying the cup? And she's got a specific issue, so I'll put it in context for you with what she said. She's got a horse that has had some time off and has come back in quite fat and very expressive. So she's explosive and jumpy at things that she wouldn't traditionally be. And she's pulling moves out that she's never done before, like jumping, kicking out, and explosive, shying, or running. Beck says she's really happy that she's showing her all her feelings, but she's obviously just not quite sure if she should be treating this fresh anxiety different to another anxiety. It's quite an interesting question, that, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times with anxiety, um, you know, there's the anxiety of a horse that's frightened of people, which you have to treat very carefully, or the anxiety of a horse that's been beaten you know, that by people um, that, you know, that, that's really frightened of, of, of pressure and stuff like that. Um, so that, that anxiety you've got to be sort of very careful with in the sense that um, the horse is frightened of you as well as possibly pressure. Then there's horses that are very comfortable with people but just frightened of education and you deal that anxiety as a, as a, as a you know, you can deal with that a little bit differently and you can sort of add, add you know, different amounts of pressure Whereas other horses you've got to be very careful with. So so you do have to treat different anxieties differently. And I won't go through all the different, you know, reasons for anxiety, there's so many reasons, but um, more directed to your question, um, it's interesting your horses come in so jumpy um, because you know um, you know the, the old spring feed saying, oh the horse comes in, it's full of spring feed and just needs some work or wet saddle blankets. Um, it's the horse has got more energy and it's been out a bit longer, but spring feed doesn't make them have anxiety. Um, you know, they might feel like they've got more energy and stuff like that, but this this whole whole spring feed thing and uh, horses go crazy on spring feed. I think it's um, it's it doesn't make horses go crazy. If you've got a good sound-minded horse that can come in, it can roll in through the gate and you get on it and ride it out, and it's a, and, and it's a, and it's a good-minded horse that's had good education. Um, so, what's what I think is happening is time away from what it, what it started to get familiar with has made you realise and that the horse, or maybe not yet realise, but it, what you will realise is there's holes um, and there's things that maybe the horse was coping with in a sort of a sort of subdued or sort of slightly shut out, shut down, anxious way. Um, when it was doing things, you know, like how some horses look like they're coping with everything, but if you look really closely, they're actually holding a lot of that sort of stuff in. So what's happened is, is your horse has gone out, it's become a horse again, it's, it's, you know, it's expressive, it's out in the paddock, it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's just coming back in and it's gone, well, actually, I'm open and I see that and I'm scared of that, I'm not sure about this and... Um, and there's all these things that, that, are, that are bothering me. So I think that's more the case because I, I see it a lot of clinics where, um, you know, or, or I've also get the feedback from clinics where we've had quite a, a seemingly obedient horse that maybe maybe not look 
it doesn't look as shut down as another horse, but it seems to cope okay. But then you all of a sudden um, open it up to thinking and searching and communicating, and you, you know, um, and then it tells you all the things that it's not it's worried about, and then it sort of all of a sudden you walk past the gate and the horse is looking around and going, "I'm not sure about this." Or um, so yeah, I think I think what's really happened is is, is maybe your horse was sort of obedient and kind of got accustomed to things and, and maybe shut out a few things when you were working with it and, and this time away is, uh, it's come back in and it's, yes, it's a lot more open and expressive. So you just treat it as a horse that's come in and, and you deal with the anxiety as, as you see it. So basically um, the, 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 there's a couple of things you can work on because now your horse is going to be showing you um, uh, it's be, um, I guess it's thresholds, so you know, when you're going towards something scary, now the horse is going to be like going, oh, what's that? That's really scary. Um, instead of sort of maybe going past it and just sort of blocking it out and maybe getting a bit of tunnel vision. So because you, you, you know, you're going to be dealing with all these things, these are the things that, this is the time that you can really get a good um, connection and uh, get some good responsiveness with your horse um, and offer it pathways to help it opposed to it just becoming obedient again. So, uh, yeah, sorry, just to rephrase, it's not that you don't want obedience, you just don't want um, um, that sort of just obedience where the horse is not feeling good. So what I mean is you want a horse that's obedient but feeling good and, you know, thinking for itself as well. So, you know, when the horse comes through, comes across those scary things, now you can maybe sort of stop there a second, let it look maybe lead it away and say I'll take you away from that, maybe I'll lead you back to that and show it that you can help the horse through those situations, through through maybe leading, through the feel of the rain when you start riding it, things like that. Um, the other thing you can also do is that when you have a horse that's a hard thought towards something or a strong distraction, they're the moments you can come in and say, hey, let go of that. Now, how, how you ask the horse to let go of that just depends on your horse and where it's at, so you might be able to sort of you know, bang a rope on your leg, you might be able to just step back, pick up a field, something like that, if it's a really strong thought, where you've got to do something big enough to, you know, um, get the horse to let go of it. Um, and then when the horse lets go of that sort of strong, scary thing that it was sort of worried about, or they get fixation on the other horses, well then you can sort of maybe say, well, um, why don't you follow me over here? And then you stand quietly with your horse, and the horse goes, oh, thanks for that, that was a really good idea. And then you gain a bit of connection in a sort of a safe place. And that, that, that's, um, that'll bring a new appreciation of, um, for you being a good leader in the sense that you, know, you, you create good ideas uh, when your horse is struggling that help it feel better. Um, almost like the same idea as, as um, if there was something that really bothered a herd and a strong, uh, more of a, a more confident leader horse would say, oh, well, let's all go over here and this will be safer and all the horses go, well, that was a really good idea because they followed the feel of that idea and the feel of the herd, they went somewhere where they were safe and they could go back to sort of what they were doing before. Or, you know, um, and, and when your horse presents this uh, raw anxiety and, and this realness, then this is the, your, your chance to, to harness that sort of good quality leadership and, and help it out. So this is the time where the, uh, the whole relationship can actually change. Yes, yeah, so, yeah big time. Excellent, well good luck with that bet, let us know how it goes. Um, so talking about just trying to understand um, how our approach should be, I've got a question next from Donna, who would like to know your thoughts on her horse, who has this sort of habit of being quite mouthy, um, can bite at the gate, bite at the saddle, bite at the rug, a lot of yawning, 
can stretch his head out though on a sideways angle afterwards almost offering his chin for a scratch is a gelding so wondering if he's engaging in play and she um donna did send a little video through to you i don't know if you can describe that video mark so that the um listeners can just get a perception of what's happening but she'd like to know is it mouthiness in this gelding or is it aggressive behavior it's um the, the, just watching the video a couple of times, what I what I uh, did notice is there is a certain point that your horse is showing that tension. Now there was a, there was a few yawnings and uh, yawns and things like that that your horse was doing. Um, so obviously you were fairly close to the horse when you were filming. Um, you know um, that when he was at the gate there. Now what I did notice is is there was there was quite a bit of tension in him, and that's why he had those stress yawns. Um, but but what you may also notice he was kind of uh, you know, gazing off and, and dissociating a bit, and uh, and he was clearly, I guess you were, but what I sort of saw is where you were standing was obviously rubbing on a bit of a boundary with him that he was not so sure about, and and then right at that end piece, um, after sort of a bit of dissociating, a bit of sort of toing and froing with his thoughts, he sort of got a little bit sort of nippy towards you, um, so what I what I saw there was a horse that's not got a lot of confidence with interacting with people and like a more confident aggressive horse would sort of say you know get their ears back and set and get really angry and then just say that's my spot there go away but he was kind of more dissociating and showing a lot of tension and then he sort of um almost got the courage up to sort of nip and and, and say that's that's enough i'm not happy um and that that's the kind of, I guess, what I saw in that video. So how I would treat that is um, I would do a, a mix of two things. Um, the reason why I just don't use approach and retreat to fix all matters is because um, approach and retreat is, is uh, well, you know, it's an, old, it's an old horsemanship thing that we've all sort of probably heard of and learned and it's been sort of talked about in different ways and I guess there's different explanations of it, but really approach and retreat is us listening to our horses so that's the way i approach you know young younger horses wilder horses and things like that it's your approach to you see a um a, a slight change in the horse it could be a change of concern it could be a change of interest uh, it doesn't matter but there's a change of thought you might wait a little bit or you might also step away and give the horse a bit of a you know say i've, I've, I've felt you're a bit worried so i'm going to step away and acknowledge that so so that would be approach and retreat and that that might be something that you could do a little bit more with him when you approach him fresh uh, on on either eye, and and now now that I only saw one side, so I don't know what he would have dealt with, uh, how he would have dealt with you on the other eye. So that that could have been a whole different scenario. So what I would sort of look into is is is, is um, experimenting with that, not experimenting with it, but you, it becomes part of you. But if it becomes too much a part of you, you will always tip out the worry for for your horse. So there are horses that have been traumatised by people and pressure and, and they've, they've got these really sort of blocking out coping mechanisms that they've sort of started to sort of take on board under certain types of pressure and those are the horses I'd probably encourage the horse to let go of that opposed to just use approach and retreat and say hey I'm listening to your anxiety um, but in, in your case I think um, you have to sort of you know look into to both because you might need a bit of both to help your horse so where you were standing was obviously sort of causing a certain amount of anxiety. Now, the history of the horse I don't know, so I don't know if you've had him since a foal, and 
I don't know if it's been put in there by someone else, but somewhere along the way or in his life, there's a point where people are still a bit like scorpions to him, um, if that makes sense. And I, and I say that because um, there's, there's a little thing that I do with people that cause people nearly to have the same behaviour as him. Um, I won't really go into that, but it's, it's, it's basically um, the, the, the emotional or physically hobbling a horse, like mentally and physically. Um, but anyway, going on from there. Uh, so, so as you approach him, notice a little early when he sort of goes, oh, I'm feeling a bit, I feel a bit worried, and then maybe just step away for a second and just say, oh, mate, it's okay, and just let him sort of, you know, decompress a little and go, oh, hang on a minute, and, uh, and that means you'll, you'll have helped him tip some of that worry out by stepping away from him. And, and I do a bit more of that every time you approach him until he sort of, you know, before he gives you that hard sort of, oh, I'm not sure, you, you, you know, you've probably stepped away and given him some space. And then when you see him sort of going, oh, and his thoughts are towards you a little bit and he's kind of listening, then you might step in and you might wait a little when he's a little unsure. And when you see him soften, then you step away. Um, by not pushing into his bubble too hard, he might get a newfound interest in you and start to pay attention. Um, so the idea is when you walk up to him, his thoughts come to you and then you can sort of step back and reward him instead of him thinking away. Um, that's something you'll start to sort of, and pay more attention to, 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 to that bubble and, and how he improves. Um, so that's the approach and retreat. The second thing I'd be looking at would be um, the maybe getting him to bring his thoughts back to you a little bit. So when he's kind of like, before you get too close and he has to get all a bit aggressive and, and protective, um, I would get up to him uh, when, when, when you see him start to just sort of destinate a little and look away. You might just do something quickly to sort of get his thoughts to come to you and then when they come to you, you step away and give some space and just walk away and let him sort of think about that. And you, you do that, so you're gonna use approach and retreat, but this time you're gonna do something to draw his thoughts in to, to encourage him to come come into the conversation. Um, now the reason I, I um, this is trying to get him to take a, like let go of the, the, the destinating thought or the, the, um, the dissociation and think towards you, so you encourage him to think towards you, so he, he has to do something um, to make himself feel better. Um, and then and then you'll retreat and give him some space to think about that. Um, that is gonna also help him by offering him some education too, so you can lure him into the conversation a bit by distracting him and say, thanks for that, mate. Now, I'm not gonna go and handle you and, and, and invade your space. Thanks for thinking towards me. I'm going to give you some space for that. And you just work on that until you can walk up to him and he can engage with you every step. So instead of him going, you're doing this constant approach and retreat all the time, he actually comes into the conversation as you're walking towards him. That that will be the end end result. Uh, and he actually walks up to you thinking towards you. And you, you and then and then when, when, you, when you meet your horses, um, before you start to sort of do stuff with them, it's very important. Like what I say is there's the horses island and the horse's island, I usually say is say the foundation of their island is maybe their front feet. So their front feet are standing on the island and your island's your feet. So that's your centre, okay? Um, and, and it's almost like there's, there's two, and, and, and at the start of every conversation with a sort of horse that you don't know, it's potentially two enemies 
one on this island, one on that island, but you don't want to go to war with each other. You actually want to see if that enemy tribe, whatever they are, want to be friends. So, so you send a little rowboat out and in their little canal in between the two islands and, and you want the horse to send a rowboat out too. So, so what I mean by that is there's a point where you stand and you leave a distance between you and your horse. So his island's there, or his, his or her island, your island's here. You reach out and that's your little rowboat. You reach out and the horse reaches out and you meet in the canal in between the two islands and then you both retreat. You deliberately retreat. As soon as you meet, you retreat back to your island. And then the horse feels, okay, I can retreat back to my island. So you're still granting them their space and you're allowed your space. And then you do that quite a few times and that makes them feel a lot safer by them reaching out, engaging, and then eventually you can both join each other, you know, on each other's island kind of thing. And I think by doing that every time you sort of, you know, have that new conversation each day with a horse that's like that, it's really important. And then they'll get a lot softer with you, they'll trust you, um, and yeah, everything will feel a lot better. The other thing I also think with where, where you took that video, it looked like he was in a corner. So that corner would have also been causing him anxiety because he knew there was no freedom for him to say, well, I might want to step away. So because he was in a corner, that would have caused him to uh, have a little bit more of that, hey, hey, that's enough, thanks. Um, uh, whereas if he had nothing, he would have probably just walked away and, and you wouldn't have seen the mouthiness. And that's what I, that's, that, that's what I mean about the, um, the emotional and physical hobbling is around yard fence, anything can sort of cause a restriction or a boundary that, that says, well, um, I can't move away, so my only option is to challenge. I've got a question mark. So if a horse is biting at a rug or a saddle blanket, is that an indication that they're just not happy about what's going to happen next? Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of times uh, it's because sometimes they're, they're, they're irritable, like, you know, like um, the, the last um, clinic run that I did in Western Australia, there was a particular horse that I've been helping, and but it suffered from ulcers, so it, so it started to get really angry, and then she, she sort of fixed that, and then we managed to work it till it was, you know, working really softly, and it was quite nice to watch, but, um, but without fixing the ulcers, it would have been just uh, a revolving door where you just keep going around and there's no exit. Um, but um, so, so yeah, there could be issues in pain around the stomach and stuff like that, and the horses can get anxious. Uh, there could be sensitive areas like flank areas and stuff that the horse is still not comfortable with. Um, but by the looks of your horse, I think the rug biting and stuff like that is, I think the horse is feeling still a little emotionally hobbled and it's not comfortable with people and horse, should I say, just to make it seem um, more of a real experience, is it's not comfortable with scorpions putting rugs on it. Um, so I think that by the looks of your horse, it still feels that, you know, I'm not quite comfortable with, with people and if I feel that I have to stand still and put up with this, well, I'm, I'm gonna start to be mouthy. Um, but if you get a mouthy horse and you say you can move your thoughts and feet, a mouthy horse usually, or a nippy horse, usually stops nipping, it starts to get a lot better. And, uh, and then I think that's, that's, that's part of the key is, um, so, so a lot of times like what I do with horses that are hard to rug and nippy and stuff like that, is I'll put the hobbles on me, so as in, I don't put hobbles on, but I just stand there and I say, okay, I've got a rug in my hand, I'm just going to lead you around me softly on both hands, like I'm around this way and then around this way, and when you're moving, I'm going to move you in so I can rub you with the rug and things like that, 
and I just stand still so the horse does all the moving around me and then I can I can bring it in and just put the rug over it and put the rug on and, and this is a really good way to you know to help a lot of mouthy horses because um, instead of them standing still and you doing all the moving around them um, you're standing still and you're getting them to move into position that you can work with the areas that you need to work on but when you put the rug on and it's so good for them because they actually are doing something and following a feel and you're worrying about how softly they're following the field where you do it and then all of a sudden all that nippy stuff goes away and they just accept the rug and everything's fine. Wow, there you go. Um, I really hope that helps, Donna. Um, so Mark, following on from this, I have a question from Katie which is also relevant about getting too close too quickly in a horse's personal space. Uh, Katie says that she asks how you, would you have a horse who blocks with their head? So she's been working through your groundwork exercises and when she moves her hand to below the halter, her mare moves her head to block her and she does the same when she moves down her sides. She's had some success with acknowledging her resistance and stepping back, so that's your approaching retreat you're referring to, um, but then she tries again and, and until she stops blocking her. But are there any other suggestions you have or guidance on what could help her feel more comfortable with her? Yeah, just, just like the last question, um, the end of it that I was talking about, the hobble, um, don't go up and put your hand under a chin. Stand at the end of a long rope. Almost, you know, put a, put a marker on the ground, stand on it, and just lead her up to your hand. Um, don't, don't reach down and reach underneath the chin and grab her underneath the chin. Just have her on a two or three metre rope and just gently lead her up a step at a time, lead her up a step at a time, lead her up a step at a time until she leads right up and you've led her right up that her chin is above your hand and and do it like that so she has to move into place not you moving into place and grabbing under the chin um, and that that you know any horses that are a little stuck like that that's that's what I do I just move them into position and I just stand still so they're doing all the moving towards me opposed to me moving towards them and, and, and that's a, a much quicker way of getting them more confident and not feel like they have to stand still and put up with you know all this sort of you know scorpions around them handling them the other thing is why they block people out um, oh sorry before I go on to that um, is that if you just do the approach and retreat thing then you're doing all the moving backwards and forwards um, and in a sense you're sort of you, you, you saw, I find sometimes doing too much approach and retreat on those matters um, you, 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 you're treading water and a lot of horses I've seen they've been girthy for years and they've got marginally better through approach and retreat with the girth you know things like I'm, I'm, I'm girthing and then I'm releasing but it's they're still very slowly you know it's almost like they're not going you know they're not making big changes um, whereas you know if you get the horse to do the approach and retreat kind of thing is as you get the horse doing the approaching and then you retreat a little bit until you can you can also get the horse to approach and retreat and stuff like that then you, you fix things so much quicker um, because you're educating the horse at the same time you're empowering the horse if you just do approach and retreat you, you're not really empowering the horse because you're saying well I imagine it like this um, to me if we do too much approach and retreat to fix things um, it's almost like saying okay I've never had any training and I'm going to go into a war-torn you know environment where I'm you know say I'll say Afghanistan at the moment um, as a foreigner going there it'd be very scary um, so if I went there and then I got into a place when there's all these you know militia everywhere 
with machine guns and I went, oh no, and I braced up and I got really frightened. And then everyone went, don't worry Mark, we'll step back till you relax. I'd go, oh thank God for that. And then all of a sudden the pressure would start again and then I'd go, then they'd see me get nervous and then they'd say, don't worry, we're gonna stop and we're all gonna step back. And that's the problem with approach and retreat. If you do it too much in the, in the listening side of it is basically you, you're saying to the horses, when you get a little anxious, everything will stop for a second and, until you can sort of reset. And though it is good at starting to get the horse used to, you know, things that it might have to carry, like a saddle blanket and stuff like that, it, it doesn't actually empower the horse with if, if the pressure doesn't stop and stuff like that. So um, by moving the horse up to your hand and things like that, the horse is actually doing something, following a feel and following a feel into a soft feeling. And the other thing what you think about is why the horse blocks. One could be because it's still not comfortable down both sides and that's, that's what you can sort out by getting the horse to move in position on one eye, to move in position on the other eye, two eyes, uh, so the horse slowly gets further past you and very comfortable while you're standing still. Um, the other thing is um, some horses block because they're not used to that close contact where you hold the knot and push and, and they sort of say, oh, well, I don't really like that. Um, well, that, that means you've got to sort of commit to it and offer an alternative. So sometimes when you're holding, they start to lean and block it. Well, in that case, once I've already got the lead rope, I just keep moving that knot until the horse follows the feel and softens and its thoughts and its feet move softly with the feel or the direction that you're moving that knot, whether it be backwards, forwards, across and sideways, upwards, whatever, which, which way you're moving it. And you feel that horse engage with it and move with it. And you might have to do that for, you know, quite a few steps or seconds or meters until the horse goes, I got that. So if the horse starts pushing once you've instigated that follow the feel question, and it starts to push and block, I'd stay with it and not, not chastise it and say, don't do that. I might firm up to say there's a boundary there, don't push on it, but then I'll continue until the horse goes, oh, I found the alternative. So you don't just go, don't do that, and then stop. You would continue what you're asking until the horse stops pushing and finds the alternative. Because some horses always brace because they've never found the alternative. Um, so, so that's very important that you ask until the horse softens and then you reward and just let it have a think about it and then do it again and again and again until the horse feels so good in the pressure that we don't have to stop because the horse doesn't feel stressed in it so the horse has got to have a soft thought in the question that you're asking and following that feel so uh, and then that'll really stop them from blocking it out because then they'll actually have found softness on the other side of the brace instead of just be sort of you know rewarded somewhere in the brace when they still weren't feeling that good. That's great. Thank you very much for that question, Katie. <clears throat> and uh, thanks, Mark. It's all we've got time for for now, but we'll catch you again soon. Thank you. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.